How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another edition of Booze and Baseball. This is my first one in uh, a few weeks. Dusty is all dappered up today and a uh, pretty much suit without a tie. I'm, I'm wearing just a comfy turtleneck. And uh, underneath this, you can't see, but I'm wearing sweats as well. I think this is episode nine. Like I said, I've, I've missed a little bit. And uh, days have just felt like nothing to me. And the reason why, um, I'm dealing with COVID, which brings us... I, I'm good now. Everything's good. But brings us to our booze review. And I just want to get out in front of this now. I'm not drinking right now. I'm still trying to kind of fully recover get my body up to right so i did make a mixed drink but it's just a little h two parts h actually and one part o wow yeah Derek, that is that is uh as clever as i've ever heard of it that is uh, honestly water is the liquid of the gods the nectar of the gods but uh yeah it's been obviously tough not having Derek on this show for the past couple of weeks uh we didn't even have one this past week just because of christmas but we wanted to get ahead of it uh, before the new year, having one, you know, getting Derek back on here. Uh, I know Derek can't drink, uh, or as he mentioned, he's drinking. Hey, you got to drink for me. Yeah, I'm doing the drink for him. I'm uh, what is actually going to end up happening. And Derek doesn't even know this part yet. Some requests that we've been getting on this show. I've been getting <laughs> a lot of them lately is that we need to also make drinks while we're doing these podcasts, explaining the drinks that we're making. Uh, and so to kind of get ahead of things for next week, I bought uh, a cocktail mix kit. And then also <laughs> I bought a recipe guide as well. Love and it. so I'm going to be making 36 different cocktails on this show. And uh, I'll be taking you guys through each one. And I expect Derek to be, to be doing the same thing. But for the last week, I will have one lazy drink. It's just a whiskey. We got to keep it classy. I'm dressed up. Uh, New Year is coming. We're going to get through this COVID period. Derek, cheers to you making it through COVID. We're happy you're recovering. Uh, and welcome back on the show, my friend. Cheers, and thank you for holding down the fort. Yeah, and if you uh, missed any of the previous episodes, still go back and listen to them because Dusty was by himself, but he did a great job. Um, and it was awesome getting Ronnie on on the last episode. So uh, appreciate you holding down the fort there. What do you say we get back into it and uh, just get into our next show? We, we will get to the rest of the divisional previews. We still have a lot to get to there. Um, we'll have the AL Central preview. That'll be the next one. I think we'll do that next week. Um, but just with me missing the past couple of weeks, 
figured we would spend uh, today's show talking about some of the moves that have happened, um, maybe reset a little bit on who's still available, free agency, the trade market, uh, some other news that is happening. And uh, today has become kind of a perfect day to do the show. We didn't say that all of a sudden, hey, let's, let's just do it today just because of everything happening with the Padres, but it kind of worked out that way. Yeah, uh, the Padres have gone crazy. A.J. Preller already, I think, has statues being built around San Diego. Um, For those of you that don't know that haven't been paying attention, the Padres have basically dominated this market. Uh, And, of course, this past week making a splash for both Blake Snell and also you, Darvish, as well. I guess, first of all, Derek, let's let's just start with that Blake Snell trade. Uh, It came first, um, and uh, ultimately the former Cy Young Award winner, the lefty, um, you know, a lot of scrutiny around the Tampa Bay Rays for one, dishing a guy with a ton of control Two, of course, even prior to that, they took him out of the World Series game six that ultimately cost them uh, against the L.A. Dodgers. And maybe a lot of people kind of looking at this, speculating, thinking maybe that he's unhappy with the organization. That's something we can't really find out. And he will never bring that up. But you could tell he's been very excited to be traded to the Padres just in recent interviews. Um, heading back to Tampa Bay, it's Luis Patino. That's one of the Padres' top prospects. He's a righty starter. He throws a lot of gas. His uh, control is not particularly there yet, but um, he's very raw and has a lot of talent moving forward. So that was the key piece in this one. Francisco Mejia, who already was dished over to the Padres uh, once before, he will now head over to Tampa as a catcher slash utility kind of – not really utility, but more of a DH kind of guy. And then Blake Hunt and Cole Wilcox are two prospects as well. Kind of, Derek, you know – when you look at game six, I think let's just get on top of this now. How much do you think played into this? I, I don't, I I would like to think the Rays are forward thinking enough that it didn't play into it. But I mean, there is obviously a part of me that goes, you wonder if Blake Snell is unhappy. And, And I saw some comments from Blake Snell today saying that I'm excited to be here, a place that I can go deeper in games that I can prove Uh, not just, you know, to the fans or to the other teams, but try to prove to myself because I want to be challenged at the highest level that I can go through the order and extra time late in games. So there is a part of me that wonders if, you know, he was unhappy about it and maybe that made the Rays uh, a little more likely to trade him. But I also just think this goes back to the idea of what the Rays are. And I I think they were a great story. And like, just from watching them play and the individual players, it's really cool. And from an organizational standpoint, it's this cool idea that they make all this work, but like from a, what we should actually be valuing, like this is kind of speaking to the bad parts of baseball. As soon as Blake Snell signed that contract extension, I forget if it was a year ago or two years ago, At that point, he was basically um, signing a a contract that said, we will trade you at some point because we are the Rays, and once you get paid a certain amount of money, you are going to go. I think it just kind of all came together when it's you have high value after the World Series. Uh, Maybe he's a little bit unhappy. You have the contract extension stuff with the Rays, and it just kind of works together that you have a suitable buyer in the Padres who are willing to give up. Um, a pretty good amount and also who want to buy to be good. Before we go to the Padres and how this affects them, I kind of want to go off your point of, you know, what's good and what's bad for baseball. And in my opinion, at least, 
I think it's trades like this that are bad for baseball because you have a team like the Tampa Bay Rays that obviously already their, their payroll is incredibly low. They still find ways to make it to the World Series. That's only the second time in their entire history that they were able to make it there. And Blake Snell was the key piece to at least keeping them in that conversation for possibly taking the title. I mean, let's not forget they were two wins away from a championship. Okay, so you go two wins away from a championship. You lose Charlie Morton, who was a key piece for them, uh, to free agency. That's okay. That's understandable. But then all of a sudden to say, okay, we lost him, Hunter Renfro. Now we're just going to tank it again. We're going to give up our pieces. This is a constant trend that the Rays seem to pick up on. And, you know, it's hard to judge because the Rays have done this and been successful um, obviously, you look at the Chris Archer trade that netted them Tyler Glass now and also Austin Meadows. I mean, those were two integral parts to getting the Rays to the World Series. So it's not crazy to say that maybe a guy like Luis Patino could be another Tyler Glass now type player. I guess you could look at him more as, in my opinion, he compares to Elise Castillo. He's got very filthy stuff and he throws absolute gas. Um, but this is the killer about baseball is you have a superstar in Blake Snell. It's a favorable contract, mind you. He's not getting paid much. His contract is comparable to that of Drew Smiley, okay? And no offense to Drew Smiley, but Blake Snell is far and beyond a way better pitcher than Drew Smiley ever was or ever will be. Um, he's an elite pitcher, and he showed that in the World Series. He showed that he can compete at the highest level, and he dominated the Dodgers. I mean, he flat-out dominated them. There's no other way to look at that. The, the way the Dodgers won game six – was because they had that second burst of hope uh, when Blake Snell was taken out for a great reliever in Nick Anderson. And Snell was just dominant. And, and so this is unfortunate. Uh, I feel bad for Rays fans because you go from winning the AL East, you showed you could dominate the Yankees, and now you're just giving up for no apparent reason other than clearly the bottom line is money. And that, to me, is disappointing. Kind of moving on, though, from that, uh, looking at the Padres side of things, Derek, I, I think – it's very obvious that this is going to help put them potentially over the top here. It's unfortunate they're in the same division as the Dodgers. Um, but, you know, this was a huge move for them in 2021. But you could argue even 2022, it's even more important. Yeah, I, I think that when 2022, when you talk about adding Mike Clevenger to the mix too, like that is the year I would really circle and say, no, this team can win a World Series. They obviously can in 2021. They're that good. Um, so much so that their World Series odds have gone up to 7-1, to one, which is only behind the Dodgers at 4-1, to one, the Yankees at 6-1, to one, uh, even ahead of the Braves, which, by the way, I think there's a little bit of value there at 11-1. to one. Um, I, I think that that will be the year that they really strike gold. I mean, you're talking about at that point, too, you'd have another year. It's not just the Clevenger stuff. It's, it's some of those other prospects that you were still even able to retain um, with getting these pitchers in Blake Snell and you, Darvish to where those guys could come up and be an integral part, whether it's in the rotation, whether it's as a bullpen piece, it's kind of all coming together for the Padres right now. Yeah. It's pretty amazing what AJ Preller was able to pull off there. And um, obviously I couldn't have hyped on it enough that Snell is a big game pitcher and the Padres needed that. I think you saw that they were kind of missing that in the NLDS and granted, I mean, they couldn't control the fact that Clevenger, uh, was going to go out after the first inning. Um, obviously, Denelson Lamette also couldn't pitch in that series. So to have a stable arm like Snell 
uh, and a guy that you can rely on to pitch the big game any day he goes out there. He knows he can dominate. I, I think that just gives the Padres a huge edge. And um, that line between the Dodgers and Padres, it's it's not too far apart. And I think it got a lot closer with this second move that we're going to get to now, which was you Darvish. Traded to the Padres along with his catcher, Victor Caratini. Uh, in exchange, the Padres traded Zach Davies, who did have a breakout season in 2020. And they also gave up four prospects in order here. It's Reginald Preciado, who's the 11th-ranked prospect in the organization. Owen Casey is 13th. Ishmael Mania is 15th. And then Jason uh, did I say that right? Jason Santana, 16th. Um, but they get three years of control on Darvish at around $20 million a year. And uh, that might be a little bit underpaid considering the stats that he put up this past year. And he was in the running for the Cy Young along with Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I mean, you uh, will get to this, but Trevor Bauer, maybe he wants 30, 35, $40 million. So $20 million for uh, a guy who finished second in the Cy Young voting, that, that is a steal. And you get three more years kind of weird for the Cubs. Maybe it makes you think a little bit further into why Theo Epstein left. Um, maybe he found out this was going to be the direction of the team and that would make you understand it even more as, as far as the Padres getting you Darvish, I, I think it's a perfect tandem with Blake Snell. I mean, Blake Snell has been a really good pitcher in the regular season. Um, his ERA plus uh, over the course of his career is one thirty, I believe but he has been even better in those big games. You mentioned he's a big game pitcher. I think he'll be good in the regular season. He'll be great for them in the postseason. which for a team that's going to make the postseason, that's all the more valuable for you. Darvish. I kind of view him as being a guy who's going to have a better regular season than Snell, but he has had a few times where maybe he's gotten roughed up a little bit in the playoffs. So you Darvish helps you get through the regular season with a better record. Like Snell helps you get through the postseason with a better record. It's kind of a perfect mix for this team. And you add both these guys to not only help the front line of your pitching, but also you're able to slide guys down. Now it helps your pitching depth. And again, kind of going back to, uh, what I said with some of those higher end prospects, whether it's an Adrian Morahone or a Mackenzie Gore, you still kept on to those guys to kind of add even more to the pitching. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing that we got to do real quickly is give a shout out to one of our former guests, Braden Soprenin, um, a Padres Radio Network. He nailed it on the Blake Snell move. I mean, he, you could go back on our podcast and listen uh, when we asked what's the move the Padres are going to make. And he, he bluntly said Blake Snell. And uh, I think Derek, I can speak on Derek's behalf as well as myself saying we were surprised by that answer. I don't know if I fully bought it and man, uh, the, the guy knew what he was talking about. And then you add Darvish to the mix. Uh, pretty amazed by it. And then, of course, you look at the Cubs return. Uh, it's hard to give insight. These are a bunch of young kids. And then you have Zach Davies, who, as I mentioned, had a pretty solid year. His, actually, his ERA was relatively low at uh, 247. He struggled in the postseason. He ultimately doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. He had an 8.18K per nine this year. That's by far the highest he's had in his entire career. Uh, he's young. He's entering his age 28 season. But let's be honest, this move was the Cubs' way of saying, yeah, we're not competing in a, in a division that honestly – anybody can win in the NL Central right now. Yeah, and uh, just one more note on on the kind of top line of the pitchers, at least for this season with Snell, Darvish, and Lamette. If you like sliders, you will love this Padres staff. Uh, Snell throws his slider about 15% of the time. It's his third most used pitch, or at least it was last year. 
Batters hit 033 against his slider last year. You Darvish last year threw his slider 15% of the time, which was actually his second most used pitch because he uses like six pitches. They hit 095 against the slider. And then Denelson Lamette last year, slider was actually his most used pitch. Threw it 53% of the time. Batters hit 080 against it. So if you like sliders, you'll love the Padres. Good luck to the National League West. Good luck to the National League and all baseball because uh, the Padres have made a huge statement. And actually, they even weren't done there. They had one other move on the offensive side. They signed Sung Kim, a four-year deal worth $25 million. This guy's 25 years old, was a stud shortstop in the KBO. Uh, he stole 23 bases and hit 30 home runs. I know that the average speed, Derek, uh, a velocity out there for pitchers is roughly 90 miles per hour. So that's going to be a bit of an adjustment, but ultimately Kim is a pretty solid ad. Uh, and imagine him with that kind of speed and potential pop hitting seventh or eighth in that lineup. I mean, you talk about the rotation for the Padres, the lineup is equally as impressive at this time. Oh yeah. I mean, I really like this guy. He's, he's so fun to watch um, whatever he gets from a production standpoint. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I've, I've seen a lot of scouts say, you know, the, the floor could be like a 10 home run, uh, 15 steal type of season where he hits for a pretty good average and the ceiling could be 25 home runs, 30 steals. So uh, you can get a lot out of this kid. I think the Zips projection for him had him at like 80 RBIs, like 20 home runs. I think he's going to be really good. And like I said, he's fun to watch too. And he kind of fits perfectly um, for uh, – what they could possibly lose with Jerickson Profar, who kind of played all over the infield. Now, by all accounts, it sounds like their plan is to play him at second base, which that uh, makes for an interesting discussion with Jake Cronenworth because that takes away one position that he would play if he becomes an everyday second baseman. Maybe Cronenworth uh, becomes an everyday outfielder and left field or something like that. But I just – I love this move. It's not a lot of money. It's, I guess it's high risk just because, like you said, you don't know how he'll adjust to major league pitching. But by all accounts, I, I think this guy's going to be a good player. So you have the Padres offense. You have their rotation all lined up. The one thing that they still need to address, uh, as if their team isn't already deep and filthy already, is they still need to address that closer role. So as we transition to kind of talking about trades and free agents – what direction do you see the Padres going in, in terms of kind of addressing that bullpen that we thought actually might be their biggest strength last year? Well, at this point, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they, they'll sign Trevor Bauer, they'll trade for another all-star pitcher, and then they won't need any relievers. They'll just go <laughs> nine innings for all the starters every game. Um, but in all honesty, I, I think a reunion with Trevor Rosenthal just makes the most sense. I'm actually looking at Trevor Rosenthal's Twitter right now. He still has – his picture um, up of him with like a Photoshopped San Diego Padres hat on. Um, he also has a pinned profile picture of him wearing like a Padres bandana. To my knowledge, he hasn't signed. Did I miss this? Did he re-sign nope. with the team? Okay, I didn't think so. Um, so I don't know. It seems like that would be a, a plausible reunion. Get him back in there. Uh, get him as a reliever. And then maybe you convert a couple of these young up and coming pitchers to have them uh, pitch in kind of high leverage situations late where they can just throw gas out of the pen. 
Yeah, Padres are absolutely loaded. I don't think we could stress this enough. We've already had one show where we talked all about the Padres, and uh, I don't think we really intended, Derek, to make this show all about the Padres. <laughs> but uh, with, the, with the way that they've been this past week, they pretty much have dominated the market. There's only two other teams, I would say, that really have been even moderately active at this time. And so we're going to get into that in just a little bit. But before we do, I want to cover 10 free agents really quickly that are out on the market that I would consider – to be the most notable, the ones that may help be a game changer. So teams outside of the Padres and the Dodgers can compete in 2021 against those two squads. I think, first of all, DJ LeMayhew, Derek, kind of where do you see him falling at this time? I don't know because I I would have thought going back to the Yankees would have made sense. I thought even going to the Mets would make – I mean, anybody could use DJ LeMay here. You're talking about a guy who's going to hit over 300, and, yeah, maybe the power drops a little bit if he's not in Yankee Stadium. But he's just such a professional hitter, and he does it at a high rate. So you can convince me a lot of teams would make sense. I just I, – at the end of the day, like, I, I think that going back to the Yankees, it feels like he's waiting for that to happen. I, I don't know. The, the whole offseason has been slow, as it has been for several years now. But it just – it almost feels like to me he's hanging out hope that he can go back. Yeah, the rumors are out there that he's searching for a five-year deal. And DJ is old. He's 32 years old. So uh, that might be a deal-breaker for a lot of teams. I kind of see the Mets still as the team to – kind of chase I've heard a lot of rumors about the Dodgers I just think that Justin Turner is going to be probably their primary focus uh, but DJ LeMahieu in my opinion still ends up in a New York Mets jersey that, that's just kind of my guess the next one on the list is Trevor Bauer uh, and as if we couldn't talk enough about Trevor Bauer I we know that he loves the attention we know that he has been driving social media crazy Derek at the end of the day hashtag Bauer to Anaheim has been trending on Twitter for like a month now. Is that where he's going to end up? Because in my opinion, I think that he will still end up in Anaheim. I think it'd be kind of funny if Trevor Bauer had already actually signed his contract and he just like, wasn't telling anybody. Um, And I, I can't remember who I've heard this before, but uh, whether it was like NFL draft or, or something, there would be like teams that would, tell players hey we want to draft you with this pick or like we want to sign you if it was free agent I, I, I again don't remember like the circumstance and they would wait to see if the player the agent or whoever would I think this was Bill Belichick with New England would leak a report that like hey the Patriots are interested in taking so and so with pick whatever 62 and if that got leaked they wouldn't take him because they wanted guys that were like Whatever. So I wonder if Trevor Bauer did the opposite. He's like, hey, you can't report this yet. I will sign with you, but I want to get my social media following up. I want to get my brand up. I want to do my thing. I want to troll some fans. And he's like already signed with him. He's a genius, man. I mean, I don't think that I'm a bigger stan of any baseball player out there just based off social media presence than uh, Trevor Bauer. Being in the media as Derek and I both are, obviously social media is an important thing. And Trevor Bauer is an elite level social media follow. It it is truly remarkable uh, the way that he's found ways to troll fans, uh, to make fans feel interactive with him. It it is really amazing. He posted a video actually this past week of the top five fan bases trying to recruit him. Uh, And the Angels did, he did pick them number one for Derek as a Giants fan. I believe he had the Giants ranked at three. So Mm. there you go. Derek still may be a possibility. Uh, (laughs) Before we move on to the next one, just kind of a report that we just got this week. 
Trevor Bauer reportedly wants a five to six year deal of 36 million to $40 million. That's per John Heyman. And uh, Bauer of course refutes this. Um, he quoted the tweet and said, thanks John for uh, notifying me of my free agency. So we just don't know. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> don't know Trevor if Bauer really John Heyman. Like, is that what he actually wants? And he's just messing with John Heyman or is it wrong? And he's not, there's no way of knowing. And it's just kind of sit back and enjoy the, the circus, so to speak. Thank you, Trevor Bauer, for keeping everybody on their toes. Um, another one to get to is Marcelo Zuna. To my opinion, at least, I would say that this is a signing the Braves need to make. And if they don't make that, they're going to be taking a massive step back between the Dodgers and the Padres. Derek, kind of what do you see from this? Well, I feel bad for him just because he's kind of in limbo about the designated hitter position in the National League. I mean, that's 15 extra jobs. And it sounds like they're not going to have it, but there still hasn't been official word one way or another. So if you're Marcelo Zuna, if you're his agent, you're like, listen, it's probably not going to have a DH, but we want to hold out hope as long as possible because if all of a sudden there is a DH, my market grows, therefore there's more teams to bid on me, the money I'm gaining grows. So you don't want to be too hasty here. So it might take a while on him. I, I think that I'd love to see him back in Atlanta but if they don't have that DH in the National League, maybe going off to the American League makes sense. Um, George Springer is one to note that, of course, he can play decent defense. Uh, I still think the Mets or the, the Blue Jays are probably the best fit out there. I'm going to say he belongs in the Blue Jays uni. Uh, moving on to JT Romuto, it seems like he's going to end up with the Phillies. But, man, it's been a kind of a bumpy ride to get to that point. Um, you look at Justin Turner, it still seems like the place he would land is the Dodgers. But you're hearing these LeMahieu rumors. If they sign LeMahieu – where does Justin Turner land? Man, um, hopefully to the Giants, uh, just because I've always watched Justin Turner just beat up the Giants. It'd be nice to, to bring it the other way. Um, but in reality, if, if he doesn't go back to the Dodgers, I would be a little surprised. Um, kind of going down this list, Nelson Cruz, the ageless wonder, the machine, the mammoth. Uh, honestly, I could see him at any of the 15 AL teams. He's not going to a single NL team. We know that. Um, out of those AL teams, man, I would just kill uh, to see him go back to Baltimore and give me some reason to watch the Orioles. Um, he could hit 50 home runs, have no reason to be on a winning team, and then they can dish him at the deadline uh, and get some prospects in return. I think that would be actually a decent investment on their end. For a team that maybe needs a DH at the end, somebody goes down, uh, that, that's really the one that I would love to see just so the Orioles can get some sort of action this offseason. Uh, a few more here for you, free agents-wise. We got Tomoyuki Sagano here. It's really hard to predict this market. I mean, he's a 31-year-old righty. Uh, he's obviously coming over to America. What, what's your take on kind of where he ends up? Because the Padres were the team that was kind of, you know, in talks for him and favored for him. So I actually think that the Giants just would make a ton of sense. I mean, he's not going to be a guy who commands too much money, which to this point they haven't really wanted to spend. Um, it is a little bit of a higher risk whenever you bring somebody over because you don't know how it's going to translate. But there also is kind of that built-in market, and this isn't just a San Francisco thing, but like Seattle, and I think that would be beneficial as well. And, I mean, it's, it's just as simple for – a guy like him who, if he wants to fly back home in the offseason or when there's a break, it's obviously a lot easier if you're on the West Coast. It's a shorter flight. So I actually think the Giants would make a lot of sense here. 
Yeah, the Mariners were my choice. I could see the Giants very well uh, and add the Angels because the Angels desperately need pitching. So uh, any of those three, I think, are actually going to be the landing spot. Um, considering he showed interest in the Padres, it would not shock me if it's the Giants or the Angels or even the Mariners uh, because of the West Coast. Um, Liam Hendricks, closer, formerly of the Oakland Athletics. Where does he end up? Uh, Dodgers, maybe. It's, it's so weird that you haven't really heard anything about Liam Hendricks uh, so far to this point. But I, I'm, I'm kind of leaning Dodgers. Wouldn't be surprised if the Padres, if that was like an arms race between the two of them to kind of lock him down. But since I said Trevor Rosenthal just kind of uh, re-upping with the Padres, that makes sense. I'll, I'll go Dodgers. I'm going to say the White Sox. Uh, there was a rumor out there that maybe he has some interest in joining the White Sox. They could use a stud closer in the back end. They've got a pretty sweet lineup. Uh, I think a lot of people have kind of somewhat forgotten about them just because of all these moves the Padres have made. But the White Sox could very well be the class of the American League. And the last one we got is also a closer. It's Brad Hands. Uh, we talked about former San Diego Padres. There's another one right there out of the Cleveland Indians now at this time. Where does he end up? So I'm going to go a little more out of the blue on this one. How about the Boston Red Sox? They could use bullpen help. It seems like a – I mean, it's not like a bounce-back candidate. He had a really good year. But it's almost like that same idea because he's a guy who got uh, – just waved by his team and nobody picked him up and the Red Sox could use a player like that. Who's going to be a little bit cheaper based on what they're trying to accomplish could come in, help them lock down the bullpen. I actually think the Red Sox could be kind of, I mean, I hate to say sneaky good because they're, they're a big market team, but given how they performed last year, if they have some bounce backs from certain players, you get Chris sale back the starting rotation. If they go out and make another move, like, they have the potential to get back into that kind of playoff range, especially if the Rays continue to, to take steps back and, and sell stuff off. So I, I think that'd be a good move for them. I'm going to say hand goes to the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know what it is. There's been a couple reports saying they have some interest. I know the Dodgers have shown interest. Uh, he seems like a Toronto Blue Jay. There's, there's just guys that look like they belong on a certain team and Brad hand to me, he doesn't look like he would end his career without having a stint with the blue Jays. So I'm just going to go with them at this time. All right. We got five players on the trade market. Uh, we're going to just say whether or not we think they will be poured out and dished to another team. Uh, number one being Nolan Arenado for the Colorado Rockies. Derek, will he be staying in the, the cooler or he, will he be traded off to another team? I think he's going to end up staying. I, I think the money attached with him um, with, how everything's gone with COVID. We've already seen a slow off season. I don't think anybody's going to gonna attach themselves to that contract, at least not right now in the off season. Yeah, I, I would like to say I agree with that as well. I think that Arenado, the rumors are great, but I don't see the Dodgers actually going out and getting him like everybody rumors him to be. Uh, and uh, ultimately, I think he stays with – Rockies but another player on the Rockies that is on a trade market reportedly is Trevor Story do you see him going no I don't I think he's uh, too young too good again another guy who I could see being traded maybe next offseason or in a year from now but not right now uh, so I actually see Trevor Story being traded just because of his uh, impending free agency coming up soon um, and so because of that uh, I could see a team like the St. Louis Cardinals taking a chance on him, depending on the prospects that they're willing to give up. Um, I think the Rockies may honestly be more willing to trade Arenado because of the contract, but I think they're going to be forced into a corner a little bit and learning from what the Orioles did with Manny Machado. And uh, I mean, you could do a list of these players that have been held onto too long. 
I, I just don't see the Rockies competing in this division that just got way better. Um, this might be the time to maximize on Trevor Story, and I, I could see him being dealt to a team like the Cardinals trying to win the NL Central that honestly is open to anybody. Uh, another one that's out there on the market uh, that's maybe the biggest name this offseason is Francisco Lindor. It's pretty much assumed at this time that he's going to be traded, but we haven't really heard any reports of any teams actually making any proposals. Yeah, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if the Phillies just kind of swooped in out of nowhere. Big market team. Um, that'd be a good uh, initial splash for the new general manager, Sam Fold. But we also have no idea what direction they're going to go in that regard. The Mets have been kind of the name that's been tossed out there a lot. Uh, also, Steve Cohen, who's very active on Twitter, which is kind of fun, uh, was mentioning how the Padres have set themselves up to make the kind of trades they've made today by bolstering the farm system previously and he said we're not there yet which kind of tells me that's a signal they're probably not going to make a, a trade for Francisco Lindor so I wouldn't go with them the Phillies would make a little sense um, maybe if the Yankees don't bring back DJ LeMahieu they'd be looking for some more middle infield help is there any team that you'd be looking at yeah, actually I think you said it right there it's the Yankees um, the Yankees have prospects and uh from what it sounds like, if they wanted DJ LeMahieu as badly as uh, they it sounded like they initially did, I think they would have already had a deal done in place here. Uh, the fact that LeMahieu has been on the market this long leads me to believe he's going to their team like the Mets. And so the Yankees are going to do what Yankees do, use their prospects uh, um, and buy and bring in Francisco Lindor, get him on, on that team. Uh, you know, they can clear space. They can move Glaber to second base. They can keep. I mean, you would assume Lindor is going to be a shortstop for his entire career or until he's physically not capable of doing that. Uh, so the flexibility of having Glaber go to second base is huge. Uh, I just see the Yankees being that kind of ending spot, and they have the pieces to do it. I could see the Phillies. I don't know financially where they're at flexibility-wise, so it's, it's hard to figure out whether they would make that move and try and extend him versus the Yankees. They could do that. They could acquire him and then sign him to a long-term deal. I just see the Yankees at this time because, like you said, with Steve Cohen's tweet right there, that kind of leads me to believe that he's got some building within the farm that he wants to do before he tries to truly compete against a team like the Braves in his own division. Uh, another one that's out there is Chris Bryant. Uh, kind of take me quickly through that one. Uh, I'll go Braves. Yeah, I actually really like that one. Um, I would say that's probably my top choice, uh, kind of same destination. I see the Braves. It's been rumored for a while. Uh, I'm going to throw an interesting one out there, Derek, because you know me, and I've been a constant hounder of the Seattle Mariners. I always seem to believe in them more than I should. And I, for whatever reason, just see a match uh, between the Mariners and the Cubs potentially in a deal here. Um, Kyle Seeger is coming up to a, his contract year. Uh, they could definitely open up third base there and move Seager elsewhere. Um, there's potential there with Kellenic and also Julio Rodriguez coming up. You want a veteran. You want a guy that knows how to win. This is the Mariners' chance, since they didn't get Snell, to go out and get somebody that could be a good face for the organization. Um, on the West Coast, he grew up in Las Vegas, so it's not like Seattle's particularly close, but it is on the West Coast, and uh, I just – I kind of see a match there. I don't, I don't know. It, it's going to take a lot, but I could see the Mariners making some kind of move, and they, they've, they're not shy. I, I don't see them sitting around and doing nothing this offseason. I could really see Chris Bryant going to Seattle uh, uh, this year. And then finally, the last trade candidate – 
it probably the one that's most likely to leave, it sounds like. The Cubs are aggressively shopping Wilson Contreras, reports say on MLB Trade Rumors. Uh, I'm going to say the LA Angels uh, just because, to me, it just seems like a good fit overall. Uh, they don't particularly have any great pieces to trade, but – uh, you saw what the Cubs just got for Darvish. I don't know how much they're really asking for. Uh, to me, it sounds like they're asking for more along the lines of depth pieces, hoping one pans out. So maybe a three-for-one kind of trade from the Angels system. Um, Brandon Marsh, to me, seems like that's too costly, but maybe somebody just to step down from that in their organization could be what – takes to uh, get a guy like Contreras um, kind of moving on though from the free agents in the trade market just some other news in general Derek we didn't even talk about it it's the the Nationals making a rather big splash for Josh Bell from the Pirates uh, in exchange the Pirates get right-handed pitching prospects Will Crow and Eddie Yeen what's your take on that trade well I think we should rename them the Washington Splashinals with the splash <laughs> that they made here um, Josh Bell bad season this past year uh, didn't hit the ball hard, hit the ball into the ground way too much. Kind of similar to, to Eric Cosmer um, career-wise so far. He had, you know, a year where he hit for no power. He's hitting the ball down, and then he changed his launch angle, had the great year in 2019. If that's the Josh Bell they get, this is a wonderful trade. If they get last year's Josh Bell, then it's kind of a, you know, uh, it's just a bunch of guys who aren't going to heavily impact winning. Uh, Josh Bell's not a great fielder, so you kind of are relying on – them to hit the ball, especially because the Nationals as a whole were terrible at fielding a season ago. But I like the risk that they took to get him, and I do think they can kind of actualize some of that 2019 power. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think the Josh Bell, pretty young player still. Uh, he's still in his prime. Uh, great power. The Nationals desperately needed a guy that they can rely on out of the ballpark um the Braves are really dang good the Mets are going to be good the Nationals are looking at this saying uh, we still have somewhat of a window even after a rough year last year the pitching rotation is still pretty solid why not make a move for a guy that could potentially help us get a playoff spot um I, I like the move a lot I think it's a low risk high reward kind of situation uh, another move that was made the Twins signed Hansel Robles to a one-year two million dollar deal from the LA Angels not a whole heck of a lot to talk about there the Dodgers signing Tommy Canley to a two-year deal worth 4.75 million dollars uh, another move that was made the the Jose Alvarado trade to the Phillies it was a three-way trade actually between the Rays the Phillies and the Dodgers uh, Garrett Clevenger very different last name uh, than Mike Clevenger headed to LA from Philly Dylan Paulson a player to be named later from LA to Tampa Bay uh, ultimately I guess Alvarado is the big name at this time uh, I disagree Garrett Clevenger, a Lawrence High School alumni. So uh, oh. a lot of people out in the area here rooting for Garrett. Wow. Okay. What, what's, give me the quick insight on him. Uh, he is a pitcher, and that is all I know. <laughs> Derek, that was absolutely beautiful. I am going to take a drink after that one. Um, okay, moving on, we got a couple more points, and then uh, we will close this thing out for you guys. The Rangers making an interesting signing here. Remember, just a few years ago, they signed a man by the name of Yu Darvish. Well, they signed Kohi Arahara. Uh, if I pronounced that correctly. I, I believe I did, Derek, but um, not a bad signing. Kind of take me through your take on this. Again, a guy coming over from overseas. We don't totally know how it's going to translate. I like the kind of risk for the Rangers. It was a low buy contract. They need pitching depth, especially after uh, some of the trades they made where you trade Mike Miner in the uh, season and then you trade Lance Lynn in the offseason. They need guys to eat innings, so why not do it on a cheap, low-risk contract for a guy that 
maybe the potential's there. Maybe he ends up being better than you thought, and then you got to steal. If he doesn't, then you ate some of the innings. You're not supposed to be good this year anyway. Yeah, I, I – I think you hit the nail on the head there. I've been covering this team for four years, and uh, it's pretty obvious this team will not be competing this upcoming season. Um, and so to at least get a couple by lows, I mean, the contract was pretty favorable. Um, I'm excited to see this kid, and we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. They also made another trade. The Rangers actually one of those teams that has been rather relevant, I would say, this offseason, just in the number of moves that they've made. And another one was a little bit smaller. They signed uh, just to a minor league deal, Charlie Culberson. Um, of course, let's not forget the walk-off home run he hit against the Rockies in 2016. Another move, the Royals, being the other random I guess you could say active team at this time during the offseason. They signed Irvin Santana to a minor league contract. Yeah, I mean, the Royals and the Padres, like, if you went back to, like, 2018 and said, hey, 2020, it's going to be the uh, offseason of the Padres Royals, you'd be like, what? what are you talking about, dude? Go back. Go go away from me. Go to 2020 and never make me come there. But I I like this pickup. Again, it's, it's kind of a low risk, low reward. It, it might not matter at all. He might not end up doing anything for the team, but why not take a risk on it? And they're being active. That's important. You go out, get Carlos Santana. Um, it seems like they're at the forefront for Jerks and Profar. It seemed like them and, and the Padres were kind of at the top. Now that the Padres got Kim, maybe that clears the runway for them to get him too. I kind of like what the Royals are doing here with some of the young guys coming up. Like, I don't know. Would it be too crazy to say that I think they could crack the top three in that division? No, not at all. I mean, I also love the youth of pitching that's coming up for them, uh, led by Brady Singer. Uh, and, you know, we talked to Lesky uh, just a couple weeks ago. If you guys didn't tune in, uh, he gave us some pretty good insight on the youth of the Royals moving forward. And, uh, of course, Derek, he's – I mean, you look at that team, they've got our guy. It's Whit Merrifield. Uh, so, anybody that's got wit, they can do it, man. So, it, that's why I say you can do it. So, uh, I, I'm very – appreciative of being able to watch great baseball players and Witt is definitely one of those uh I would love to see the Royals be somewhat relevant this year and I think it's possible uh we'll see what happens with Irvin Santana my very loyal Twitter follower I might throw out there as well <laughs> hashtag smell baseball as he likes to call it and uh congratulations Irvin on uh, going back to the MLB and I'm, I'm wishing you the best of luck my friend um we have one final piece of news that definitely is on the more somber side of things this year 2020 has taken away a lot of great people uh it's very unfortunate what it's done uh somebody actually tweeted the other day an entire lineup an entire roster of studs hall of famers that we've lost this year due to covid um or just natural causes as well well we also lost phil necro this past week he passes away at the age of 81 he was a stud pitcher for the atlanta braves there kind of your thoughts on that as well yeah knuckleballer um and that's always kind of a uh very rare thing to see in the mlb you know it seems like we have one guy who kind of passes it along from tim wakefield when i was younger to uh, or a Dickey. Uh, we don't really have that guy right now. And I'd love to see one get back, but Phil Necro was as good as a knuckleballer as they come. He was just a fantastic pitcher. I, I don't know him personally, obviously, but uh, obviously sad news in the world of baseball. Well, we, uh, we definitely wish his family, you know, we, we give, we send them our prayers and uh, well wishes. And ultimately, you know, for everybody out there that is having to deal with COVID-19 um, that's having to deal with the stress of what 2020 has really given us. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 2021 is right around the corner. And so this is our final show 
for 2020. Derek and I established this thing in 2020. Not a lot of great positives this year, but this I think is one of them. Also want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. He's a loyal listener as well. He actually helped me out with my neck. I have some pretty bad <laughs> neck issues. <laughs> His name is Rodel Manzano. If you guys ever have any sort of neck or back issues, give him a call in Santa Clarita, California. He is a loyal listener. Um, shout out to him. I know he's listening to this podcast right now because he gives me feedback every week. And he's one of those people that uh, will send us in questions as well. Probably will give us a mailbag as well. Uh, on top of that, if you guys do have any questions, please send those in to us. Uh, but with that in mind, Derek, take it away, my friend. Yeah. And thank you to Man Cave Merch. It's past Christmas, but uh, my birthday's coming up. So you could get me a birthday present, but seriously, get yourself something good. Uh, I've got my awesome Man Cave Merch coaster. This one that I'm holding up, it's got Madison Bumgarner card on it. Goes well with my Buster Posey bobblehead. Man Cave Merch, check them out. Yeah, phenomenal stuff that they do there. Uh, and uh, if you're a girl listening on our show here that your boyfriend's not too uh, happy with what you got him for Christmas, uh, well, this is a nice last-second gift as well, I will say. so. But thank you once again, Derek. Uh, welcome uh, back to the show. We're glad to have had you. And, uh, you know, best of wishes, I guess, for both of us here in 2021 as we take this podcast to the next level. Yep, absolutely. Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Audible, uh, you can also follow us on social media. It's at Booze in Baseball. Uh, to reach out to us, if you have any questions, you want to do a mailbag, suggest some alcohol to review, it's boozeandbaseball at gmail.com. Uh, Mix Kit, thank you for them, for the stock music. Thank you to Man Cave Merch, as I just mentioned. Drink responsibly. Have a good New Year's. Talk to you in 2021. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Later. <laughs>